I, I've, I, when I've talked to people and after they get saved, uh, we begin to try to get them in a program of some sort uh, to be able to uh, learn and grow as a Christian. Uh, I have a good friend who was saying that he was talking about a guy uh, down the street who uh, he said, I, I just want to learn what the Bible says. And when he said that, uh, you have to understand, he's probably, the guy's probably 70 plus years old. And he's been saved for a long time, but he wants to learn the Bible, which tells me a couple of things. First of all, I'm grateful he wants to learn the Bible. And the other thing is, he had been faithful going to different churches throughout his life, and they didn't teach what the Bible teaches. And so it's very important you know what the Bible teaches. So you can learn, and then when you learn that, then you can grow as a believer. Now some people would say, Preacher, how come you hit so hard on rightly dividing or dispensations? Why do you do that? We want you to learn and to grow. And if you don't learn and grow in what the Apostle Paul has written to the body church, if you don't grow in that, you're not going to grow as a Christian in your life. Now, I was a Baptist for many, many years, and I learned a lot. I, I learned about God and the Trinity and uh, the virgin birth, his preexistence, the deity of Christ, the inspiration of scriptures, security of the believer, and on and on it goes. I learned a lot of things. No, there's no question about it. But I still did not know how to rightly divide the scriptures so I can get in on what God is doing today. That's important. Somebody says, what's God doing today? Well, if you want to know what God's doing today, you have to get into Pauline scripture. That's just a part. Now, we love all, all of scripture, all of it. And we study we study all of it, but you have to learn. So I'm just going to give you a little basis this morning, some basic stuff, and I hope that would be a challenge to you to want to become uh, somebody who knows what you're talking about, uh, somebody who knows how to uh, look at scriptures in a dispensational way. It will change your life. Uh, uh, Brother Sadler, he said uh, when he... As he was a Baptist pastor for years. He says, when it finally dawned on him what dispensations were about, he said it was like getting saved all over again because truth began to pop at the way it should in believers' lives. And if you don't look at dispensations and you just go here and you go there, you're always going to be confused. You're always going to try to figure this out. What does this really mean? So I hope that this morning I can challenge you about that. I have a little long title. The title of my message is Dispensational Understanding Helps the Believer to Know Why and Where to Study. That's so important for all of us. Now the word dispensation means the management, the arrangement, the plan, the administration of a household. It has... Uh, the idea in the Word of God, it contains several dispensations for several different people living under different rules, laws, circumstances at different times. In other words, 
what God taught them back here is different from what we are taught here in many ways. And that's so important for you to get a hold of that. The way God worked and communicated in each dispensation, he revealed specific truths to one man who in turn taught that truth to others. The first dispensation that I mentioned is the dispensation of innocence. God revealed to Adam who was sinless. That's why he was, we call it in innocence. He was sinless and uh, the way, but God told him the way man was to live and for his family. And he shares that in Genesis 2. They could eat whatever they wanted in the garden except for one tree. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we know this, Adam and Eve failed. They were tempted by the devil and did eat of that one forbidden tree. And when Adam did that, he fell into sin. And sin attached itself to Adam's DNA to where he passed that sin gene onto his children, onto their children, onto your parents and mine, and onto us. That's just the way it worked. But God, at that time, provided an atonement, a sacrifice for Adam and Eve's sin. And it was uh, an animal, blood, death, sacrifice, substitute and then God in love he gave man another chance and he revealed to Adam the new truth the second dispensation is the dispensation of conscience sinless he was innocent as a sinner now he has a conscience God explained to Adam how the earth was now cursed. Now, Adam, he had to labor and sweat in order to bring food home. He was told that sin would now produce in him guilt, shame, and consequences. And no doubt God told him what was needed when the next time they would sin in their life what kind of offering would be needed to get him back in a relationship with God? They were all now, mankind, they were all now aware of right and wrong. He asked for it and he got it, didn't he? The third dispensation. The oldest man who ever lived was Methuselah, right. He had a son named Lamech. Lamech, he had a son named Noah. Noah lived during an unbelievable wicked time. I mean, unbelievable. Where spiritual beings took up bodies and had physical relations. Wicked times. But Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. God told Noah, because of the people's wickedness, he would destroy all of mankind except for Noah and his family. That would be eight people all total, eight souls. And there God gave Noah 
the blueprints for building the ark. It took Noah about 100 to 120 years to build the ark. After the flood, the land dried. God told Noah and his family to multiply in order to repopulate the earth. It's at this time that God in mercy again gave a new dispensation. It's the dispensation of human government. Now there would be authority, dominion leaders, there would be rules, laws, consequences, human governor, uh, human government. An example of that would be Genesis 9:6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. In other words, he's saying, if you kill or murder somebody, then diddle, you die. And that was human government. But as you know the story, the people, they failed God again. They followed their flesh, what the world was offering at that time. They followed idols. And it climaxed, it climaxed at the Tower of Babel. In Genesis chapter 10 and 11. And God was so disgusted with man that he scattered them by confusing their languages so they wouldn't understand one another. And they scattered. God again in grace called out Abraham. And by the way, the reason he's calling Abraham out, I'll say just a second, the Gentiles had miserably failed for many hundreds of years, even thousands, through Genesis 1, through, or Genesis 2, through Genesis 11. And so he calls out a guy by the name of Abraham and told Abraham that through him, Abraham, God would create a new people called Hebrews, a new land called Canaan and Israel. That he wanted this people that would Love and worship him. He called this the dispensation of promise. I promise you, Abraham, that you and your seed, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have seed as the stars. You're going to have a land flowing with milk and honey. But I want you to know something. Those who bless you will be blessed, but those who curse you will be cursed. But I promise this is what I'm going to do for you, Abraham and your descendants. To Abraham, God revealed his promises to him and to Israel. He promised about the land, having a son, the law of righteousness, a covenant, innumerable descendants, and then faith in order to receive righteousness. That's critical. Genesis chapter 15. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be, Abraham. And Abraham, he believed, and the Lord and in the Lord, and the Lord counted it for righteousness. When Abraham believed, 
God counted that to his account as righteousness. What did he believe? He was going to have a son. And God was going to be the grandpa of all grandpas with descendants. Okay? But he believed what God had said. Years later, God then revealed to Moses. He added to the Jewish people to their dispensation of promise, now to the dispensation of the law. I'm sure you've heard of that before. After being brought out of Egypt and bondage at Sinai, God revealed to Moses the commandments that he was to share with the Jewish people. It would tell them how to live and what they were to obey. And the point is, God revealed to one man Moses, who in turn taught his leaders, who in turn taught the Israelis. Now my message, as we've seen, God, because of man's failure, created new dispensations, giving mankind another chance to believe in God. God gave to Adam truth, innocence, and conscience. Truth to Noah, government. Truth to Abraham, promise. Truth that would be added to that promise to Moses, the law. So at one time, you had the dispensation of promise and law together, and that continued. Now listen, that continued in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and through Acts. But when Christ came, and by the way, he was born under the law. When he came, he upgraded truth to a higher standard when he began to promise the messianic kingdom was at hand. Jesus Christ was the sole revealer and he alone shared the kingdom truth from and through the spirit to his disciples for them to share and offer the kingdom to the nation of Israel in Acts chapter 2 through Acts chapter 7. And what did Israel say? Huh? No, we will not have this man rule over us. And as a result of that, God temporarily set Israel aside. Now understand, for all people, all were to be saved by going through Israel's message. Now, seemingly, they won't believe it. There's no hope. But God, once again in grace, did not forget us. He sovereignly saved a man in Acts 9. God gave this man new revelational truth. A new dispensation was revealed to Saul, who became the great apostle Paul. It's called the dispensation of grace, and that's what we're in today. The dispensation of grace. You see up here, innocence, conscience, government, promise, law, but now mid-acts, it's the dispensation of grace. That's where we are today, right here. And that's so important. It states this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which has given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in a few words. 
And then he says in verse 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see. What does he want all men to see today? What is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. In other words, God had a secret, God had a mystery that he held back, nobody knew about it, until he gave that truth to the apostle Paul. Amen? The amazing thing about today, the dispensation of grace, is that prior to Paul, Nothing about us, the body of Christ, had ever been revealed nor written about from Genesis all the way to mid-Acts. Nothing about us, the body of Christ. The mystery body church of Christ, the mystery program had been a secret until a new dispensation began with the Apostle Paul. This is where most of Christendom has failed to recognize the distinct ministry revealed to Paul. As in the past, when God would begin a new dispensation, he would inform one man. He informed Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses. He didn't need to inform Christ, but Christ informed and then Paul. Then that man would share God's new truth with faithful other believers, and then they were to share it with others. Likewise, the church body of Christ that we're in today, when you get saved, you believe in the gospel, he takes you out of Adam, he places you into the body of Christ, the body church of Christ. That's who we are today, okay? And it was a mystery, it was a secret, first revealed to Apostle Paul, and then he shared it with those who were saved by the gospel of grace. Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, listen to this. No other apostle, no other writer comments about the mystery body church of Christ. Only Paul reveals this truth. And the lesson is, understand that since the body church was not formed nor known about until Paul comes on the scene, any mention of church prior to Apostle Paul is not the body of Christ's church today. Did you get that? Our church, the body of Christ today, first revealed to Paul, any church prior to Paul is not referring to the body of Christ's church that was a secret of mystery until Paul. Okay? That's so important. The dispensation 
and context always determines which church it is. The same is true about the word gospel. What does the word gospel even mean? Good news, okay? But it's not the same gospel in different dispensations. The word gospel doesn't always, it's not always a reference to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Abraham heard the good news. He's going to be a father, he's going to have a son. He believed, and it was counted him for, that was his good news. It's different in different dispensations. Example, Luke 9, 6 says this, and they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. What gospel were they preaching right there? Huh? The kingdom, not the body of Christ today. Notice he says, for he shall be delivered, Christ speaking, unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on, and they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they, the other apostles, disciples, and they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which he was spoke. He just told them he's going to go to Jerusalem, go up there, die, be buried, and rise from the grave. And they didn't know anything about it. Now, since they didn't know anything about it, what gospel was they preaching then? It couldn't be the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ it had to be the kingdom, the Israel, the Jewish church. That's the gospel they were preaching about. The gospel of Matthew through John does not include Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So we say, what gospel is it? Well, it states in Luke 9, 1 and 2, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So it shows there, it's not, the gospel does not always mean the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The dispensation and context will determine which gospel it is. Their gospel back here is different than our gospel today. Some people say, well, it's always been just one gospel throughout the whole Bible. That's not true. Amen? It's just not true whatsoever likewise the word church when you see the word church in the bible it doesn't always refer to today's mystery body church it doesn't always refer when you see the word church it doesn't always refer to acts 9 romans 3 philemon pauline body of christ church that we're in today example there's a church in the wilderness acts 7 38 and this is he that was in the church in the wilderness. That's not the body of Christ. Nobody knew about that yet. So the church in the wilderness, its context, its dispensation, easily identifies it. It's Israel. It's the Mosaic church. Who was in the wilderness for 40 years? The Israelites and Moses. It's the Mosaic church, the church in the wilderness. Not the body of Christ today. Then secondly, there's the church in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the same Jewish church 
with a new phase to it. The kingdom was, uh, was at hand for Israel, the kingdom church. When Christ came to this world, Matthew 4, 17, from that time began Jesus and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not in heaven, heaven on earth. They're millennial. What they're looking for over here, the promised kingdom reign. It states in Romans 15, 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, of the who? Circumcision, the Jews, for of truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It has nothing to do with us today. Hello? Now remember, the body church that we're in was still a secret, a mystery, not revealed yet until Apostle Paul. And Paul was saved in Acts 9. So these churches prior to Paul could not be the body church of Christ. Impossibility. So in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, early Acts, it's not talking about you or me. It's talking to the Jews. Amen? Now, no, I'm about done now. Now, knowing this, knowing this, notice we can understand now. Matthew 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son. The Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who was prophesied. You're that one, the Son of the living God. And then he says in verse 18, And I say also unto thee, Christ unto Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of your confession of who I am, I will build my church, there's church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Peter, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom. This will be the Israelites' church one day as they go into the kingdom under the new covenant, the reign of Christ, that will be that church. The, mess, the messianic church, we'll call it. Now, using the same principle, you determine which church it is by context and by its dispensation it's in. We know in early Acts, Acts 2 through 7, the 12 offered to Israel the kingdom, but Israel said no. And when they said no, remember, Paul had not been saved yet. So any church mentioned prior to Paul's salvation in Acts 9 is not the body of Christ's church of today, but it's Israel's church, the kingdom, the mosaic, the messianic church, and it was known and already existing. Now you understand that, and I'm closing here in about an hour and a half. But I'm, no, no, just follow me here. Acts 2.47. For you now, let's see if you can interpret scriptures, okay? Praising God, this is after Peter preached, praising God and having favor with all the people, 
And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. What church is that? I don't know how many times I preach that, how many times Baptist preachers preach that, and we use that for today. When in reality, it could not be the church of today. Why? Paul's not saved yet. He doesn't get saved until Acts chapter 9. And then that knowledge comes in a progressive way, a little at a time, not all at once. So Acts 2, it's talking about Israel. Pentecost is a religious feast that they're attending. And people forget, they try to use that for the body of Christ today, and they forget verse 44 and 46, right in the same context, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. I didn't know the body of Christ church met in the temple. And breaking bread from, houses, from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Why don't, if we say that's the church for today, why don't we go sell everything and put it in a kitty and just spread it around so we have equal socialism? <laughs> right? <laughs> the body church, until after Paul was saved, Acts 1 through 8, was still a mystery, a truth hidden, but now revealed to the apostle Paul. Paul was saved in Acts 9. The dispensation of grace then was progressively revealed to Apostle Paul. And after Paul, Christ would reveal to Paul its truths for the body of Christ, then he would share that with his uh, followers who had believed in the gospel of grace. And then they would share it with other people. God revealed this new dispensation to one man just like he had throughout the ages. And he shared it with the Apostle Paul. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 1, and hath put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Paul explains what the church is today. It's the body of Christ. That's the church for today. Colossians 1.18, he says this, and he is the head of the body, the church. Today, it's the body church that is in the dispensation of grace that's for today. This is the mystery body church that began with the apostle Paul and is the church that God is working in Today, and now I do close. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.15. Paul says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm first in line. I'm first in order. Howbeit for this cause, I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern. How was Paul saved? By grace 
He's the pattern of grace today. Amen? He's the first person in the body of Christ. There's no body, there's no body. This mystery was not revealed until after the apostle Paul is saved. Any church, any gospel, any uh, plan prior to that has nothing to do with the body of Christ, the gospel of grace, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to forgive sins. Amen? Now you ought to shout a little bit every now and then. That's truth. And if you get a hold of it, it'll transform you when you study the scriptures. I'm in Matthew. Well, wait a minute. That's to the kingdom. That's about the king coming. That's to the Jewish nation of Israel. I have to be careful what I read now. I can't make that absolute doctrine for me today because my, my dispensation is not yet revealed. Romans 16, 25. Now to him that is powered to establish you according to what was Paul's gospel? Jesus Christ loved you so much he died on a cross for all your sins. He was buried. The third day he rose again alive. It's all of grace. He has done everything that is needed that's necessary to save you. All you need to do is to believe that message. Believe that gospel today and you'll be saved. Amen. Go on, put that verse back up there, verse 25. Now to him that is power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to what? The revelation of the mystery. When was the mystery revealed? Not until Paul comes on the scene. I preach Jesus Christ here according to the mystery, the gospel of grace. Back here, they preach Jesus according to the promise, according to the law. Amen? My gospel according to the revelation of the mystery. It's different than this back here. Revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret. Nobody knew about it until Christ revealed it to me since the world began. But now it's made manifest. I'm revealing it now. And by the scriptures and in the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Just Believe it, and God will save you. Just believe it and follow it. God will bless you. God will give you direction in how you are to live today. As a believer, now, understanding this, you can begin to grow. You can begin to mature in scriptures. It's time that we stop taking the Bible and just using it spiritually, and we take it here or there, whatever it might be, we need to learn what does the Bible actually say and mean. Amen? I was listening to somebody give an invitation the other day, and the good people, 
And they were saying, you need a savior. Why don't you come and ask Jesus to come in your heart? Why don't you come and make him your savior? And I didn't hear one thing of why that could happen. Not one thing that he is the remedy, the sacrifice for all of our sins, that they buried him and he rose again for our justification. It takes that gospel to save you. It's not faith in what you do, you pray. It's faith in what Christ has accomplished. Amen? Amen. I is done. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to share that today, okay? And I hope that it helps you a little bit when you look at the Bible. Don't look at it Old Testament, New Testament. Look at it, the Jewish prophetic program to Israel and the mystery program revealed to Paul in his epistles. Look at the scriptures, divide it that way. And you'll not be hoodwinked by a lot of people. I can make the Bible mean whatever I want it to mean just by taking it out of context meant for somebody else and trying to push it off for today. That's what a lot of these people do on healings and sending your money in and and doing this and sending your money in and doing this and sending your money in. Amen. Thank God grace is free. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. I love your word, God. Thank you for opening my eyes up one day here. Lord, I feel inadequate to be able to teach this myself even. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And I want to keep going forward doing that. And I just pray that people would take this to heart so that they would not only be Bible readers, but Bible understanders. They would understand what they were reading. Then it will be a blessing to them. Then they can grow and become strong in your word. Lord, I love these people. It's a privilege to be able to be their pastor. I pray that you would find me faithful all the way to the end. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.